Hi, I'm Gary Nall. I'd like to welcome you to the Progressive Commentary Hour. Our theme today, our immune system, how to keep it strong. And one part of that, just one part, we're not talking about, you know, healthy plant-based diet. We're not talking about supplementation, exercise. We're talking about stress and distress. We're talking about living in harmony versus disharmony. We're talking about transforming our crisis into something that allows us to understand how, to what degree, we have held on to our traumas and all of our pain and angst and how to surrender that so we can go forward in life into happiness and health that we deserve and recover our immune system. The person who is going to take us on this journey is Dr. Peter Resnick. Dr. Resnick is an outstanding person when it comes to understanding the human condition. He has a PhD in the field, master's degree in the field, and he's very Eastern in his philosophies. Now, hopefully he'll be talking about Buddha and some of the insights of other concepts concerning how we get ourselves out of balance and how we can get ourselves back into balance and good harmony. Nice to have you with us today, Peter. Thank you for inviting me. Dr. Peter Resnick will be discussing ways we can understand how to better cope with stress when it comes our way, because we're all going to be exposed to stress, both chronic and acute. But we don't want to be distressed. Years ago, at the beginning of my career on radio, I had the privilege of interviewing the father of stress therapy, Hans Selye. And he said there's two types of stress. There's those that we enjoy, like going to a concert, going on a vacation, uh, meeting a, someone that we're interested in a relationship with. All these create a certain excitement. But then there's the distress that we get when things are out of our control, where we've been victimized or feel victimized, where our perception is we're helpless, hopeless, go into apathy, anger, depression, rage, all of that turns against us because then you turn on a five-alarm fire uh, across the whole biological spectrum. And that can also adversely affect the hormones in our body. It can adversely affect our heart, our brain. In fact, it's one of the key factors of how long we're going to live. Can you deal with stress? So welcome to the program, Peter. Well, whether... You are healthy, perfectly healthy, or in not such a great health, whether you're vaccinated or not vaccinated. What we know is that for sure, and it's well-documented, researched, that prolonged stress will lower your immune system and eventually ruin your health. Uh, Paracelsus, a Swiss physician of 16th century, who is also, by the way, known as the father of Western chemistry, said... A human being has two workshops, one the body, the other imagination. If we follow this formula, if we follow understanding of a person who lived, uh, what, 500 years ago, I think we'll do very well. And in fact, uh, Gary, Nall, and I uh, pretty much addressed the issue that Paracelsus brought up uh, some 20 years ago, I know Gary Nall wrote a book, uh, Food, Mood, 
body connection. Somewhere 20, I think it's the year 2000 or 2001. And in it, Garinal uh, is talking about what we eat, the environment in which we live, uh, nutrients that we may be missing in our body affect our whole being, including our brain. That is, affects our body. And the body then will produce different imbalances that psychiatrists now gave nice labels as psychiatric disorders, whether it's anxiety disorder, depressive disorder, mood disorders, and so on. So, which means if the hardware, the body, is not in the right place, is not taken care of, the software will not function well. Around the same time, I came up with the uh, tools to address the software, that is the mind, coming to the same issue from the other side. And that is that the condition of our mind, what we think about, or what Paracelsus called imagination. And imagination is really how we think. We, we think only in images. People think that they think. But how do we think? Uh, if you, I say a cow, you have an image. In order to understand what I'm saying, you have to have in a split moment image in your mind. And you don't see a, a train, you see a cow. Whatever comes to your imagination will have an impact on your body and very mo most of the time it has an emotional impact, which means if I tell you, if I say mother, you don't see M-O-T-H-E-R, you see you have an image and if you have a wonderful relationship with your mother, maybe some images will come to your mind that will stimulate uh, your immune system by um, triggering production of interleukin the hormone that may stimulate your immune system. But if you have a problematic relationship with your mother, different kind of hormones are released and you have uh, quite a different response in your body. So what you think will have a direct impact on your body. And this is, this is not news. So we need to learn to use uh, that workshop that Paracelsus called imagination to make it user-friendly. Uh, because even if we do accomplish what uh, um, Gary Noll wrote in the book, and this is the first thing I would suggest to do. If you want to deal with stress, make sure that you get the right nutrients, that you take good care of your body. So read the book, uh, Food, Mood, Body Connection. But what I'm saying is even if you took very good care of your body, you still make, you still have the capacity to ruin the healthy function of the organism by misusing the mind or using the mind or your imagination as not user friendly. How? I determined that we have three major challenges, called them attitudinal challenges or cognitive errors that make us particularly vulnerable to distress. I like what Gary said, distress rather than stress. By the way, stress itself is not bad. Even though I created this program, as I said, 22 years ago, called Staying Healthy in a Stressful World, which I like and uh, is kind of popular, thank, thank God, and 
even now. Uh, what I, one thing I don't like about the title is uh, in a stressful, stressful world, even though for, for the purpose of selling it, I called it stressful world. But the truth is the world is not stressful. You may say, what? <laughs> the world is not stressful? Of course the world is not stressful. Think about it. If I say, if you watch news now and you hear 1,000 or 100,000 American people uh, were victims of a hurricane and uh, 100,000 people are homeless, what do people, first they imagine people being homeless, imagine this hurricane, and American people go, oh, they feel compassion. But how do people who yell, death to America, how do they feel? So, is the world stressful? No, the world is. Events happened. And then how we interpret the events makes us feel miserable, makes us feel stressed, make us release these stress hormones, or enjoy and relax and, in fact, trigger production of hormones that stimulate our immune system. It is, and I'm not saying anything original, 2,500 years ago, Greek philosopher Epictetus said, it's not the things that, or events that affect us, but the attitude that we take toward them. So it is our attitude, and that's the main um, way, I believe, uh, to to diminish distress. Stress, again, is normal. In fact, literally, stress means comes from Latin distringere, which means to stretch out. So when we're exposed to stress, that is natural resistance in life, we were exposed to cold weather, we stretched out, and we created um, clothing. We were exposed to cold, uh, and, but we, were, um, we built houses. Um, we were exposed to stress on our feet because we had to move long distances. We invented different forms of transportation. So we stretched. So the stress is not bad. And, but this distress, this means against. Our resistance to natural resistance to life creates um, tension in our body, uh, let uh, triggers production over overproduction of norepinephrine in the brain that stimulates our heart, lungs, and muscles, and uh, produces what is called flight or fight response. And the rest, you know, from books, I'm sure. And there were so many lectures that that tell you that stress, uh, how stress affects your body. That's not. Uh, it's uh, the, the understanding of what's happening is not lacking. What is lacking is understanding how not to create that stress. And as I said, over the years I found the three major sources of distress in our life. Uh, and first I will list them and then we'll uh, talk about how to not get ourselves in, in the stressful or distressful environment. The first is judgment. The second, expectations. And the third, doubt. So let's look at judgment. Whether we judge ourselves or, or others, it doesn't matter. We pay the price. Because the child of judgment most of the time is anger. Uh, and what is anger? 
its response to danger. That's the flight to fast fight response, right? The digestion slows down, heart rate increases. And it's an ancient mechanism we all use. Um, let's say we're in a near collision situation. And how many times do we get in near collision situation uh, a day? Usually none or maybe one time. And so all these chemical changes happen in our body and we avoid it. But it's only one time uh, in a while that something like this happens. But when we are stressed in response to uh, someone saying something or things not going the right way as we believe it they're supposed to, that happen can happen hour after hour. It can happen a hundred times a day. In fact, we talk to ourselves all the time. And each time we pass a judgment that things are the wrong way and we get angry, we produce this stress response. So how, how can we look at things which are happening in the world now and not judge? There is a difference between an observation and judgment. This is, uh, I think, it's very important to practice. So if anybody wants now practical tools for distressing, take three weeks and begin to observe things happening. The world is not the way we want it to be. The world is. People are. Why should somebody, let's say, um, not be nasty? This person was that way before you. This person is this way with you. This person will be this way after you. It has nothing to do with you. And yet if you go, how dare he, this self-righteous indignation. Okay. You want to change the world? You cannot change the world. You will change yourself by destroying yourself. I'm not saying that you have to accept everything, which means if things happen that you do not like and you observe it, this is not, uh, this is not acceptable for me. But while you're accepting that this is natural for these things to happen, why? Because that's how the world is. The world is not according to Peter or somebody else. So once you make an observation, you can make a decision. Do you want to be a part of it or not? Or perhaps you want to invest your energy to make positive changes. If you don't waste your energy on judgment. Because once you judge, all your energy is in this anger and anger depletes you. So, but let's say, let me give you a little help. What if you already caught yourself in the process of judgment? What if you already bent out of shape? Number one, first you have to say, oops, reminding yourself, which means you, you were judging. Oops, it's, it's enough. You don't need to go into the whole thing. Here I go judging again, because now you're judging yourself for judging and you're stressing out. So, oops. And then if you have an opportunity, this is an exercise. You close your eyes and imagine holding a balloon and begin to blow it up by exhaling slowly gray smoke of anger and frustration into the balloon. 
Think of yourself breathing out gray smoke slowly. And as you inhale through your nose, you're breathing in blue light, breathing out gray smoke, breathing in blue light as the balloon becomes bigger and bigger. And then you let it go and it flies away. Then you open your eyes. It's just a good exercise for the symptom. That's it for you. Already you missed the point. You missed getting rid of the, of the judgment in the first place. But as I say, that's already repairing something that is broken. The sooner you catch yourself, the better it is. And you do this exercise and then you move on. Because the more you stay with that anger, the more it destroys your body. But number one is learning how not to judge. You running the red light and then calling yourself an idiot and, and cursing yourself doesn't make you a better driver. It makes you so overwhelmed with, with the resentment, self-judgment, uh, self-hate that you may run the red light again. Then you will have really good reasons to to hate yourself and judge yourself. No. Things happen. Whatever happens in your life, there is a reason for it. By, by the way, there are two, reasons, two ways to look at reality. One is if you are an atheist, and one if you believe there is meaning to our life, uh, you, you're spiritual or you're religious. So if you are religious, of course you know whatever is happening, it's not by a chance. We live in a meaningful universe. Everything is our own creation to one degree or another. So our job is to say, what am I doing in this situation? How is it happening? What can I do to make it better? But if you are an atheist, God bless you, that's still fine. Remember the movie um, Forrest Gump? Remember what he said? Shit happens. And it does. So it happened. The best is not to go into details why it happened, not to judge how bad it is, but simply to observe that happened, what can I do to not allow it happen again, what can I do to make it better. This is it. This is a practice for three weeks. Peter, let me interject for a moment. What I believe that we're seeing at, an, at a scale we've never observed before is an entire nation was led to believe that the vaccines were safe and effective. And a lot of people felt that they were doing their, their duty to others by vaccinating themselves so they wouldn't spread the vaccine to others, and beginning immediately with their immediate family, especially if they had older people with comorbidities. But then, over the last nearly three years, we have discovered in thousands of, of reports investigative journalist reports, whistleblower reports, nurses, doctors, and scientists, all of whom were pro-vaccine. But they found anomalies, and they found inconsistencies, and they found, they found that the facts did not add up. And so they talked about it. They wrote about it. And if you watch a Dr. Malone, or a Dr. Pierre Corey, or Dr. Merrick, uh, a Dr. McCullough, Dr. Cole, and thousands of other mainstream, orthodox, pro-vaccine doctors, they're all saying that we did it wrong. And then you have epidemiologists from Stanford University, from Harvard University, and from Oxford University saying we should never have had the lockdowns. It didn't work. But when we were first 
involved in this, let's just say for the best of motives, people believe something, though they didn't have the scientific evidence yet to prove it. It was a hypothesis. So the whole world was engaged in a hypothesis, which is one step in science. You have an observation. As you mentioned, you observe something, you know, and uh, someone comes in and they've got migraine headaches and you go through, well, what occurred? And then you take a history. What, what is different now? Well, nothing. Oh, yeah, I had some Chinese food last night and then I realized it had MSG in it. Okay, now you have an observation from which you create a hypothesis. It might be the MSG, monosodium glutamate, which can cause headaches and swelling of the face and uh, flushing. Okay, and then you come up with some form of opinion. Well, let's stop eating anything with MSG. Okay, now the person doesn't have any more headaches. Problem solved. Here is the issue. Virtually every single thing we were told now is being challenged. And that means that before it was tested in animals over a seven to 10 year period, which is normal, it was brought up to us immediately bypassing all these safety signs. But then we were guaranteed it wouldn't be a problem. Now put yourself in the position of the doctors and scientists. 75,000 of them signed the Great Barrington Declaration, which was put together by these three epidemiologists from Harvard, Oxford, and London. And they said, we did it wrong. 75,000 initially. Now it's, I think, up to 800,000 have signed it. That meant that people were angry, not just stressed, but real anger. And now we start seeing unnecessary deaths, deaths that cannot be identified from COVID. But why did a young person die? Why did a, a outstandingly healthy soccer player, 23, just drop dead? So then you do your homework and you say, ah, over the last 10 years, there's only been an average of four per year dying. And now we have hundreds of sprinters and marathoners and basketball, football, all types. Now we have all these non-athletes who are dropping dead. So now there's another whole layer of unfolding, uh, a new type of, of, wow, we didn't know. Okay, and now they're starting to backpedal and say, well, I really didn't say to wear masks, or I really didn't say it would cure anything, or I didn't say it, it would prevent, and then we show them, yeah, you did, here's your information. That creates another sense of, of stress in people, not just the people who are exposing it, but the people who are witnessing. They say, what do, you, what do you mean? What are you saying? Are you saying that you use me, my child, my mother, my grandmother, two of whom got COVID after the vaccines and one died. You're saying that you use this as human guinea pigs. And then everyone starts looking for cover. The latest thing being we want to give amnesty to all the people involved. So nothing to see here. Let's just forget this ever happened and move forward. They haven't even apologized for anything yet, yet but they also want amnesty. Another level of rage. Hey, if I do something wrong, I'm held accountable. I can't get out of it. But if you do something wrong, now you want amnesty and you walk away with no consequence. Another level of rage. And now we learned that the test they used was not accurate. Rage. So people were told you're positive, false positives. 
Then you were told if you're positive, you're a case. I have no symptoms. And the vast majority of people experience no symptoms. Younger people under 60, almost no or minimal symptoms. Children, almost no or minimal symptoms. And yet, everyone had to follow their protocols, which were inaccurate. They didn't work. But it took three years of massive suffering, and yet it hasn't stopped. A lot of people watching this right now believe completely because they trusted the authorities. They said, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a scientist, so who am I to judge this? If they're saying it's safe and effective and it will help stop the spread, I'm going to go along with it. Okay. Now they're shown that, A, it was never tested to stop the spread, and it didn't protect you from getting COVID. And the more shots you get, the more problems there are. And now there's a whole new door opening, and that is long-term side effects. Things are growing in some people's bodies who've gotten the vaccines. And, uh, and those people are terrified. Of the, well, I feel okay today. I didn't have any side effects. I thought it was good. No, you could be having side effects a year, two years, three years, four years now, delayed effects, where it takes time for those self-organizing lipid, uh, lipid materials in your body from the vaccine to create long uh, rubbery, uh, almost like rubber bands in your arteries, and then you drop dead of a heart attack. Imagine the tens of millions of individuals who didn't have, about 85%, didn't have any side effects, but now are told you could die from what you can't see and can't feel these things growing. You talk about rage. They've gone ballistic. As a result, now we have such stress. Now, this is only from what we were told that now we're seeing is being challenged. Whether you vaccinate or not, that's your business. I don't tell people, but I say be informed. If it's your body and your choice, make sure that your choice is based upon sound, independent, non-commercialized information. But that's just one. <clears throat> Think of all the people that lost their jobs and don't get them back because a business closed. There's nothing to go back to. Hundreds of thousands of businesses. Millions of people out of work. Think of the people that are now at home. And what do you do when you're at home and you're locked in and you can't really go out? And they see that a guy was kayaking alone on a river with no one else and they arrested him. Now you're terrified. So what do you do? You eat a healthy meal? No. You order in junk foods. Now we have this huge problem with our immune systems. In fact, in the last three years, we have lost over three years of our life expectancy. So if the normal life expectancy was 78.4 years, now it's down to 75 or less. Now start adding in the comorbidities, obesity, diabetes, heart disease, high blood pressure, even dementia, and long COVID. Sudden death, sudden death adult syndrome. Yes. New and, and now we're seeing dementia in people 30 and 40 because of long COVID. So I give you this as a, a longer, uh, let's say a, a longer venue, so you can see all the reasons that we have tens of millions of Americans who are dealing with a toxic stress, a distress that is 24-7. If you don't know that something's going to happen in your body, but you've been told it could, you don't sleep well. 
That's your immune system is going to be adversely affected. You're not a happy camper. And yet, what do you do with this inner rage? So let's deal with all those people for whatever part of that story could impact a person. The outcome can still be the same. The stress itself could precipitate a heart attack. Your thoughts, please. Yeah. That's my, my big concern is that particular people who were vaccinated and their immune system already may be compromised, that they will experience most of stress because precisely what you said, the rage, how could they do this to us? Why wouldn't they? How could they do it? Because that many of them, I personally believe, are criminals. They did it because they knew exactly what they were doing. We're not going now into the details about who did it, who made money on it. That, that doesn't matter. It happened. Some people believed their story, got vaccinated, some didn't. They did it. Nobody was suicidal saying, let me hurt myself and get these vaccines or let me endanger myself and not get these vaccines. They did it because of the knowledge that they had at the moment they received it. This is it. They did the best they could. Now, the best they can do for themselves is to accept it is what it is. This is the reality. Yes, it doesn't mean to say, oh, yeah, now we'll forgive everybody and start all over. No. There are people who are responsible and we need to look who did what, what, and they need to, to go to jail. My hope is that they will. At the same time, we have to accept reality as is. That's what happened. We all made mistakes from childhood. We cannot persecute ourselves. Remember that whatever you did, you always did to the best of your knowledge. This is it. The first step is to forgive yourself. Whatever choice you made, particularly if it's a bad choice, and if, if you did the right, good choice, not to forget, uh, John Kennedy, I think, said, well, forgive your enemies, but don't forget their names. Yes, you move on. You, you stop focusing on your negative feelings, building them up against those people who I believe are criminals, but you don't forget their names. They have to, my hope is they will go to jail. But at the same time, you go, remember my word, oops. It doesn't matter. That's, they did what they did. Why did they do what they did? Because of who they are. Who said the, that the world has to be filled with wonderful people? It's not, it's not true. The world is not filled with wonderful people. I think it's a very important thing, and it would bring me to the next um, cognitive error of expectation. People think, and we're mis misled, by the way, by um, um, philosophers of, of 18th century, Jean-Jacques Rousseau, that the world is good. Human beings are good. It's just society screws up um, the environment and, and makes a person a victim, and therefore we need to improve society. And that's where communism, socialism came as an idea, and uh, the idea of equality. But what the Bible, for example, teaches, in most spiritual traditions, teach us that the world 
is not good. People are not good. That's why, from result, for example, in Western tradition, we receive Ten Commandments. That presupposes if they shall not murder, it means we have the impulse to murder. They shall not steal, we have the impulse to steal. So we all have these impulses. And people invent this idea, how dare some country, how could they do this, that they make money on people's life, on killing people? Yes, that's a normal piece of life. Welcome to the real world. You are in the real world. It doesn't mean that you accept it and, and go with it. You can, we have, fortunately, I speak here some um, uh, senators speaking about uh, investigating these criminals. That's wonderful. But to keep this righteous indignation in yourself, to keep building up, look, we got them, we got them. Look, we have to... What, what, what is good about being angry at somebody? <clears throat> Excuse me. Remember what Buddha said. Being angry at someone is, is like grabbing a handful of hot coals to throw at them. Whose hand burns first? So I agree with you uh, that people are getting enraged. I work on myself whenever I have a negative feeling toward what I... And I read all the material. I listen to your show, Jer, uh, uh, Gary. I listen to Dr. Peter Bregan. I listen to Dr. McCullough. Yeah, and the moment I, I listen to it to get information, just to be educated, to make the right choices. But without, in the moment I have negative feelings, I go, oops, because it's a waste of energy. That's the condition of the world. We need to start all by learning not to judge and accepting the world is imperfect. That's, that's my... Um, my number one uh, encouragement for people. Accept the world. It's not perfect. Accept meaning acknowledge that it is what it is. And then you can act upon it. But what happens when we do not accept, when we resent that it is what it is, all our energy goes on this resentment. We don't even have energy to, to digest food well and to come up with the original ideas. This is, by the way, also scientific data. When we are distressed about something we, we don't like, what do we want? We want a different outcome, yes? We want to be creative. We have in the brain a, a segment in hypothalamus called locus cerealis, which, interesting, glows with blue color. When locus cerealis is activated, we are creative. But when we are stressed, Norepinephrine is released in the brain and norepinephrine shuts down the function of locus cerealis. Which means you cannot be creative and stressed, creative and angry. So the thing that makes you angry, is the thing that you want to change, you cannot change because you cannot be creative. So what's good about being uh, this, this righteous, being angry? Okay, you are right. These people are criminals. The question is, how did you? What? What did you use? In, how did you use your mind that you listen to this kind of people, not this kind of? Without judging yourself, but this is, you read this literature. You read New York Times. Okay, you read New York Times, and then you put CNN on. This is your information. Okay, 
Now make, make up your mind, change the sources, listen to and, and read different kind of information. You made the decision, this is it. You let go of anger. That's, that's Gary, my answer to this. A lot of people, so many people now, and for years to come, will get angry, and they already hurt one time, and now they will be hurting themselves again by the anger. Our discussion is about building the immune system, no matter what the cause of it being depleted. And stress is one very important issue. I noticed something, Peter, about 20 years ago. That's when I did a documentary on de-stress naturally. And what I found is that I went to the, one of the largest yoga studios in New York City, down in the 20s, on the, in an old building, and uh, it was packed. And there were multiple giant rooms. It looked like a warehouse they had converted and put in the nice polished wood floors. And as I'm sitting there watching, it was very serene. It was just beautiful. I mean, the bodies, the motion, the ease of their movement, um, the guidance from the in yoga instructors who were very good. It was just a beautiful experience. And I asked, how often do these people come? And she said, sometimes three, four, five times a week. We're open from early morning till late at night, seven days a week. Wow. That's like 20,000 customers a week. Yeah. And this is just in one part of Manhattan. So I decided to do something. I got my cinematographer downstairs, and Roland, um, who's filming this now, I'm not sure if that was you or another person, and what we did, we set it up right outside the door. So the moment the class was over and all these people flooded out, suddenly they were lighting up the cigarettes, they were on the cell phone, they were yelling at someone. It's as if they had not learned how to deal with stress. They did not learn how, if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, if you don't have the right ideas and you don't have a right support system, if you're not the right person, nothing's going to change. But every day that they would go in there and do their yoga, in that hour that they were doing the yoga, they were finding an oasis of bliss. But they weren't changing, coming right back out into the, into the bedlam that they were facing at work every day. It was like they were very stressed. But this is, this is their opiate. Then I started looking at people meditating. And I did the same thing. Once in the class meditating, everybody was very serene. Afterwards, it was just back to, back to Dante's third level of, of hell. And I'm thinking, wow, why not use the time you're spending to understand how not to be stressed in a stressed environment, how not to become toxic in your emotions in a toxic environment, how not to keep doing something that clearly isn't harmonizing with your higher spiritual self and then hoping that for that one day for five days a week you'd go off and get that you know meditation or that uh, yoga that somehow now you're dealing with it you're not dealing with anything you know it's still there if you got to come back after doing something and it's still there then what you did isn't really the answer could you address this please and have you seen this in any of the uh, people or circumstances you've dealt with. They're not changing because to change how they would deal with stress would mean changing 
their perception to change their reality, and that they're not willing to do. Yeah, Gary, that's exactly... Yeah, yeah I'm so happy you spoke about it, because that's exactly the, the problem. You can take uh, some pill, it will help you to get rid of a headache. Or you can stand on your head if you know how to do it properly, doing yoga, or move your hands in a certain way, you also get rid of a headache. All of the above, or you can go and walk on fresh air, or go for a swim. And that also may help you get rid of a headache. But it, it's just removing symptoms. doesn't change anything. And maybe it's good. It's like, you know, uh, having some ice cream also. If you're distressed, you know, you get um, Cherry Garcia from Ben & Jerry. I love it. <laughs> so then you feel good. But you didn't change anything about your life. Okay, you got uh, a little break for a few minutes. That's why I'm talking about changing your attitudes, changing your attitudes of life. Not to accumulate stress in the first place. And nothing, uh, meditation may help. But if you mean uh, Eastern meditation, that is on, on emptying your mind and separating the small eye from the big eye, it's very beneficial, and there are studies that show the beneficial effects of meditation, but it's not long-lasting if you did not change your attitudes uh, in your everyday life. So it comes back to the same thing. And in fact, when you were talking, I, I was reminded of something. You know, I was just in Florida, by the way, not too far from you. And I was going to... Uh, um, place, a yoga place to do yoga with my nephew who teaches yoga there. And in fact, I witnessed exactly what you were describing. We, we were doing these postures and, the, and then yoga was over. And at the end, Vlad did this beautiful, beautiful relaxation meditation. We all get up and <laughs> walk out. We walk to the, toward the car and I see a woman crying. I said, what happened? I walked over to her. I said, what happened? Should I just receive the text? And she told me something. Something didn't work out for her. And she said, I was hoping, you know, I was so excited. And she's crying. Why? Because she invent, invested herself in the outcome. That's another problem that we have. We create this you know, in a spiritual tradition, it's called, in the Western spiritual tradition, it's called Second Commandment. They shall not make graven images of any likeness. They shall not make idols. Why? In, in a very broad sense, it, you do not create idols to which you do human sacrifice. The commandments were against the human sacrifice, this particular one. So, you sacrifice your life on their idol on the altar of the idol you created, whether it's, I will become a medical doctor, or my child will be accepted in this school, like in, in her situation. Now children have to pass the test, six-year-old, to go to, to kindergarten. It's, it's insane. But, and the child didn't. But she already saw this child, and the child has to be there in order to go to a better school. Here goes another uh, idol. Now she is not even paying attention to to her child and what, what's next thing to be, to be done because she's grieving about having lost that. She created an, an uh, attachment, an image. 
an expectation. Again, now I hear someone's voice. How can you have not expectations? No expectations. How don't, you don't have aspirations? You don't want to achieve something? Of course, we are all taught. You have to see your goal. No. We all want to accomplish things and we can have intentions. And it's very important to know the difference between an intention and expectation. An intention is something you, you, you want, you decided what you want, and then you move toward it and you no longer focus on the goal. That's, there is a book, um, Zen in the Art of Archery, right? Where the archer pulls the, the string and before he lets go, he closes his eyes. Why? Not to be attached to the outcome. That's the mastery. So we, we set an intention. I want to be in Paris in, in, uh, in the spring, in May. It may, may not happen. I will do everything I can, but I know it's not in my hands. In the old times, people would used to say, God willing, we do this. Gary and I were planning this interview. And I made time for it. And we both are punctual. We both met at the right time. But it was possible that something would happen. One of us wouldn't be there. I, I set the intention, but I'm always willing and ready to adjust if circumstances change. Because things happen. Life is. People are. Not the way we expect them to be. And therefore, we constantly need to be in touch with the flow rather than with that graven image that we create and we're attached to it. Peter, I have one final area I'd like you to address, please. And that is, growing up in all the different careers that I've been in, I have a chance to interrelate with different people, in effect, to create professional relationships. You know, with my agents in broadcasting and in radio and in television and book publishing, you meet a lot of different people. And then you want some friends. You want people that you can just be yourself. They're not going to judge you. They got your back. Everybody, I believe, really benefits from having wonderful, loving, caring, and trustworthy friends in your life. Now I'm seeing that it used to be there'd be some people that, you know, they would be nice at the beginning of a relationship, but then after time, they, the veneer uh, subsided and you got to see the dark side of that person. And all of us have a light side and a dark side. It's just whether or not we choose one over another, what motivates us to choose to be honest, even if that costs us. And frequently being honest today will cost you. And uh, so a lot of people will not be honest. How many doctors do you think know that children shouldn't be getting this vaccine? There's no scientific studies at all in the world showing that they benefit, and a lot of studies showing it harms them. They know that, pediatricians in particular, and pediatric nurses. But you have over 900,000 physicians, more or less, in the United States. When was the last time you saw any of them demonstrate against a medical procedure? How about never? You have individuals who have the courage, but it, realize when you tell the truth in a society that has maladapted to the lie, then you're living in a maladapted environment. We don't, we don't appreciate what happens with maladaptation versus healthy adaptation versus transformation. 
It's a whole spectrum. And so what I'm seeing now, and I'm seeing it in people I know, is that no matter what you suggest, no matter what opportunities you provide, they refuse to see themselves as anything but a victim. And I don't care what you have a conversation about, within five minutes they're back to blaming someone or something for why they're not feeling good about life. And now I'm seeing the woke generation, identity politics generation, I'm seeing those who demand to be uh, cared for, respected, and nurtured in their dysfunction, which means you've got to play their game of illusions when you can clearly see, do you take any responsibility for anything that's happened to you? No, it's not my fault. It's And suddenly they go into these, and they just repeat the same story ad nauseum. And we're not talking about a few people today. We're talking about a substantial number of people, mainly younger people, but not exclusively. And depending upon, um, you know, what how they were raised and whether they were raised in a cocoon and overprotected and feel entitled or not, it's a victimized society. They actually seek the people who will acknowledge and share the victimization. They're going to be stressed nonstop. They're not going to be making healthy choices because they're already saying, when you open the door, my dark side is entering. Oh, I have a light side, but I'm not willing to share it. And it kind of reminds me of the two, uh, the two philosophers back in the 19th century, uh, Bichamp and, and Pasteur. Pasteur said it was the microbe. Bichamp said it's the milieu. It's the medium. It's everything else in this epigenetic world we live in that contributes. Don't look for just one microbe as the cause of all these conditions. And he was correct. And Pasteur was only partially correct. Now look today where everyone has the capacity to be humanistic, spiritual, thoughtful, uh, caring, trustworthy. And some do. And we're fortunate and blessed if we have those people in our lives. But most don't. These people don't trust. They blame some early trauma or something else for not trusting you or uh, valuing your, your energy. Have you seen this in your practice? Psychiatrist Abraham Tversky said, a human being needs air, water, food, and someone to blame. <laughs> I've never heard that before. This is human nature. From spiritual perspective, if we start, whole human history, and if you look at the Bible as an, just, it's, it has many levels of understanding, but one just as archetypal stories. He, a whole human experience is an experience of not accepting responsibility. Uh, Adam in, is told, eat from the from everything, everything that you want. By the way, all herbs and, and vegetables and fruits are there for you to eat. The only thing you cannot do is to eat from the tree in the middle of the garden, from uh, knowledge, tree of knowledge. And then, of course, we know that they eat, and then God says, what have you done to Adam? And he says, me? I, I did it because this woman that you gave me offered me. And God says to, her, to, to Eve, 
why did you do that? She said, I did it. That's the serpent who made me do that. Neither of them takes responsibility. And if we keep going from just the Biblic story, Cain and Abel, they come now to earth, they have two children, Abel uh, is murdered by Cain. Why did you do that? Well, because he compared, he blamed his brother for, for his gifts not being taken. Always somebody is responsible. And it goes on and on through all the characters. Constant blame. Without us taking responsibility for everything that we do in life, we'll never make any positive changes. We are, I, 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 again, those people who don't believe in the Bible, they can choose to look at it as just teaching tales. But if you think, we are told that uh, 26 verse of the f first chapter of Genesis, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. That which is a creative impulse creates a human being who has a creative impulse. So we are also creators of everything there is, good and bad, to one degree or another. We are contributing to everything that happens. And unless we assume, and it sounds like, oh, blaming the victim. No. There are criminals. That's part of, of human condition. And criminals need to be caught and persecuted. At the same time, we have to ask ourselves, what is my part in it? And even though it seems like I already suffered and now I have to look at myself, yes, but then there is hope. What you can create, you can uncreate. You can then ask, how can I make changes in my life, in my community, in my family, in the whole society to, to make things better, not to wait uh, for someone to pay you uh, because somebody abused you 100 years ago, 200 years ago. Then we have to unwind the whole human history. Then we have to all take all the Europeans, move them back from America, because the, the land belongs to, to, to native people. And then people from Europe. What do you think happened with Europeans? With, what, the French owned France? No, there were different tribes. And tribes constantly moved other tribes. You cannot keep blaming people for whether they did something a thousand years ago or 50 years ago. You look at what is. Do I like it or not? Without judgment. I don't like it. What can I do to make it better? Nothing will change in your life unless you take responsibility. Responsibility means simply able to respond. You have to decide how you want to respond not to sit on your butt and wait for things to happen. It's better to respond and find that the consequence is not what you want. Then you act again and find again the consequence you don't want. Then you act again. Then sit and wait that something will happen to you or somebody will help you out. You have to make decisions, decisions after decisions after decisions. That's all. So, Peter, what this means is that we are society divided. We've been politically balkanized. We have groups pitted against each other. Did you get vaccinated? No, then you're the enemy. Uh, I got vaccinated and I can virtue shame you. Did you fly in on a private jet? Yes, but I'm going to blame you for using your car. I'm going to virtue shame you. 
Are you a vegan? No, I'm a meat eater. Then one blank. We have a thousand ways that we've separated ourselves. As a result, we don't see people the way we at once did as sacred human beings, the sentient, the sentient soul. We don't see them and try to heal someone of anything when they can't acknowledge their own illness or the participation in it. So we're seeing a worldwide calamity when it comes to immune depression from all these different angst and existential threats. And we see very little effort to try to heal that part of the human condition so that people can live a happy, longer, and healthier life. I want to thank you for taking your time to join us today. Thanks for inviting And I'm Gary Knoll. This has been the Progressive Commentary Hour, and thank you very much for listening and watching.